And then, you know, some of our, like way back when we had a dress code that was so boring. Oh my gosh, black, white, tan, gray. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. It was all no, 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 no. And I said, we're artists. You know, we are artists. This is the future. We want all beauty feel comfortable. We want all expressions of who we are. We want to be bold in our colors. We want to be, you know, whatever makes you feel your best. That's what I want you to wear to work, you know? And if you have tattoos and if you have, you know, this, you know, artsy way, or if you're more, uh, you know, more retro, if you're more punk, if you're more whatever you are, come as you are. That's the beauty of our industry. Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. Today, I am so crushing today on our guest because I have been watching her in the industry for a very long time, and I am just so excited for her to share her journey and her wealth of knowledge with us today. She is a salon industry innovator, a community leader, an author, a philanthropist, lifestyle expert, president and CEO of Penzon Incorporated. She owns six salon and spa locations, a barbershop, a yoga studio, and so much more. I am just so excited and blessed and honored to have Debbie Penzone into our podcast. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share. Thank you so much. You know, I was mentioning before we started recording that I met you at ABS. You know, she was sitting on the board amongst other leading professionals and business owners in our industry. And anytime that you have an, a chance at a beauty show to like meet somebody who has gone the distance is like somebody you just need to make sure that you ask questions and learn about them. So I'm excited to just share this platform with you that you can share and inspire other people because you, you have just done so much. I know that you've been in the industry now for 35 years and you look not even 35, <laughs> but, you know, I think I would love to like, just learn, like, how did this all start for you? Because you're making such big waves, but I'm sure it didn't start that way. And so I'm just very curious how you got into the industry in the beginning. Yeah, well, I think like so many of us in our industry, you know, I grew up as a little girl with that passion to give the gift of beauty. Uh, I had five brothers and a sister, and I can remember giving my brother Timmy a perm. <laughs> and <laughs> I was not licensed at the time, but I wanted to give him a body perm so I could actually feather his hair. 
And, um, and, and even the having summer parties, you know, I would, you know, cut some friends hair and do, you know, everybody's hair at the dances. So I was very fortunate at a very young age that um, I just found this gift of giving that beauty to others. And I, I always loved art and being creative. And I loved color and painting and, um, and fashion. So um, I was fortunate. My parents and everyone around me just said, that's Debbie. So, you know, I was the first one in my family of seven not to go that traditional route to college. You know, and I just said, I just, you know, I want to be a beauty for professional. And, um, and everybody was like, yeah, we can see that. So, you know, very fortunate um, to have that support around me because so often in our industry, I don't think we have that. And so no one questioned, you know, they knew if you love what you do, you'll be successful. And that was one of my dad's mantras that he would say to us kids, you know, because he felt like he had a career that he loved, you know, Monday morning, it was like going to Disneyland. And so, uh, so that kind of started my journey in middle school though. Yeah, it was, it, I was very fortunate because so often, you know, we hear from other, um, you know, other professionals in our industry that they're questioned, you know, why do you want to go down this path or this journey? You won't be able to make money. You know, can't you go to college? Why would you want to do that? And um, which, you know, is so sad, you know, when you think about it, because our industry is so full of possibilities and opportunities. And, uh, and it's such a beautiful gift when you have a career that you love that much and you have the talents. I think, you know, we are blessed with this talent in our hands um, to, to give it to others. And not that many people can say that. And I think it's a special gift that we should be so grateful for. Well, and I think that you you took this passion and you realized you could make a career with it. It wasn't just, I love this and I'm having fun. You, like, what was the turning point that you actually realized, I can, I can make a difference. I can, you know, improve other people's lives and I can do this in, by being in this industry, especially... Um, with such a large family too. And I, I, what an amazing family to be able to support that without shaming you for not going the traditional route. Yeah, you know, and I didn't always have the confidence. I think, you know, looking back, there's so many times we lose our confidence and then we gain it back. And it's not like it's just something that's there all the time and you have it once you get it. So I went to cosmetology school and I was ready to go. I came to the big city of Columbus, and right before I was graduating, I shared a dream uh, to my instructor and some um, of my classmates. And I said, you know, I, I want to go to Penzones and, and be a hair artist. And my instructor said, Debbie, they would never hire you, and you need to go to a small salon. She crushed my dream literally in front of others. And you know what, Jennifer, I did not even go to Penzones to interview. At that moment in my life, at 19 years old, I just said, well, maybe she knows what she's thinking. Maybe she knows. And, and, and I felt so, I just lost everything. And I didn't even interview. I went to the small salon called Tangles. And so fortunate that that was not my career path because that salon's no longer there. But when I was at Tangled, I met my first mentor, Marilyn, and, um, and she built up my confidence and, uh, and saw stuff in me that I did not see in myself. 
And I had no idea that she used to work at Penzones until she had moved away a couple years ago. So she had moved back to Columbus and she was just waiting for a chair to open up. And so she said, Debbie, I'm going back. And I got you an interview at Penzone. And I about cried my eyes out. I could not believe it because that was my dream salon. I never imagined I could, I could work there. And she said, I did not get you the job. I got you an interview. You need to go and show them that you are good enough and you're talented. And uh, I never took it for granted after that. And when I got hired, every class, everything that I could possibly do, I was just on this path to not take anything for granted and really make the most of my career. And with, when I joined Penzone, there was this whole platform of education and training and, and you name it. Uh, I was going to every class. I was talking to every instructor. I was getting all the information, talking to all the successful stylists on how did you do it? You know, and, and we have different levels of goals that you have to hit to get promoted. And I was on this path. Um, so I was so fortunate that I got that platform with all of that support of a good salon that really supported me with education and training. That's, I shame on that beauty school. Education. I know. <laughs> you know, at the same time, though, like, I always think like, everything happens for a reason. It you know? It's like, maybe yeah. you had to go to that small salon to you know, especially if you didn't have a ton of confidence in the very beginning. And it's like, yeah. maybe you had to go through some of those difficult times to, to say, you know what, I am worth it. And I see something better for myself, you know? And so how cool is that though, that your old salon owner was like, yeah, you can go there. So yeah. uh, can you put a little bit of context around like, what, what is Penzone? Like, why were, wh why was this the place to go? I think just because, you know, I did come from a small town, Springfield, Ohio. So I came over to Columbus, Ohio, and they had already had such a great reputation over here as the number one salon in Columbus. And also they were really, really known for their training program and education. And so, and world-class environments, you know, the salons were even back then just beautiful and so inspiring. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was like, you know, that dream salon that I was like, wow, if I make it there, you know, I made it. And that was like a big goal of me, you know, to come to the big city. Columbus was a big city for me when I came over here from, you know, little Springfield, Ohio. But I do exactly like you said, it put this fire in my gut, you know, and it fueled my soul to, to be successful and, and, and to conquer that and make that difference. Did you ever feel like in the beginning, at least that that hustle and that fire was, I'm going to prove these people wrong? Or was it just always in you? Um, you know, I think it was maybe always in me, but I do think when I went, you know, when I lost that dream or, or didn't go for it, I was so disappointed in myself, you know, and you know how hard we are on ourselves. You know, I think that's the hardest part when you think about it. Our self-talk mm -hmm. that we do on ourselves is harder than anybody else is going to give you. And I was just disappointed that I didn't even go interview there. And I kind of let fear and let the talk and, and you know, actually the perception of others <laughs> tell me what I would be good at or where I would fit in at. And I didn't challenge it or myself. Mm. I took the easy way, you know, and I think that was the biggest thing. I was, I was so, so difficult. I was so, um, oh my gosh, 
I was so, um, you know, so hard on myself because of that. And I think a lot of, a lot of uh, beauty school students and even our listeners right now could relate to that of maybe they have this dream or this passion that's inside of them, but yet they're fearful of what's going to happen or what if I fail, or is it just better if I just not try? And I think so often we let that, that inner voice get the best of us and, and stop us from really pursuing what we are made to be. So you're not behind the chair anymore, but you were behind the chair for quite some time. Can you tell us a little bit about your stepping stones of working your way into becoming the CEO and president of this dream salon that you went to? Yeah, well, I still have my license and I still go to a lot of our education classes. So even though I'm not standing behind the chair every day, you know, I still love the gift of, you know, what we do behind the chair and still practice it. Um, but, you know, came to the salon and just started out as everybody else, you know, as a, an assistant mentoring one of our top stylist artists in, in the salon and going to classes and, and getting educated. And that was a year long program that we went through before we act, before you get your chair. So I had a whole year of, of getting educated and training right there on the job training. I think nothing can, nothing can compare to that. You know, I was standing next to a, a senior artist, getting all that knowledge and all that information while going to training classes and doing models on Monday. So it was just that whole year long, uh, you know, intense education and mentoring with those people that have been in the business, you know, 10 years, 20 years, some of them, and just really absorbing and just trying to take in all of their knowledge and their wisdom. And it was, it's such a great mentoring uh, program that you just build your confidence because you're there with them, like as, as partners, you know, day to day, being able to create these amazing colors and, and be able to see these haircuts and ask questions and uh, get that knowledge. So I started out, you know, like everyone else, and then we have different levels. So you become a stylist, a designer, a director, and a senior director. So you go up those four different levels. Each level, of course, has goals, you know, client retention, ticket average, your goal weeks and all of that. And education, too, because we always earned extra hours for all the education that we went to. And I was all over it. You know, give me a goal. I'm going for it. I'm on my way. I know where I'm going. And so I moved up pretty fast. And then at the same time, I loved giving back in education and then found this really great path of teaching classes and sharing my knowledge as a stylist, designer, director, and senior director, and went down the path of um, eventually becoming our creative director for the salons and spas, and got to, you know, educate, make the curriculum, change it, do classes, bring in education, and there was a team of us, a small, mighty team of us that got to do that for the salon, so that was like kind of my path too, and I found that when I was sharing my knowledge with other hair artists, I would learn so much from them and be empowered from them that it was just this big snowball that started happening. Uh, I wasn't always comfortable standing in front of a, a classroom and talking. And uh, my dad had given me a great tip to say, hey, why don't you go to this Dale Carnegie course? 
Oh, yeah. It really helped him. And it was uh, how to win friends and influence people. And it was a 16 week course. And so I took this course. So I was trying to do things on the side too, to continue to better myself, communication skills, people skills, um, everything I could to be a great teacher, but then also just to be a great communicator and listener behind the chair for my everyday guest and clientele. So you you worked your way up and it sounds like you're you're pretty competitive, especially probably with the big family, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And most people wouldn't think this. Like I was a girly girl, but I was also a tomboy. You know, yeah. we had the Miller paper route at age 10. You had to go deliver papers with my dad. Uh, we always worked at 16. I had a job. I was a, a waitress at 16. Uh, you know, we all had to, you know, earn every penny counted and mattered. And you, I got that work ethic. And then also a lot of, we were in sports a lot, you know, and, and my brothers and, and even my sister, you know, we, we definitely had that love of, you know, going out and, and, you know, not wasting anything, you know, not taking anything for granted. So, yeah. And just to have those, those values instilled in you, I'm sure, I mean, that really helped catapult you to where you are today um, to have that background. I, I, I love that. So you're, you're now learning more about yourself and your communication skills. And was it a, an easy transition of working your way into that leadership role from being a hairstylist? Um, you know, at that point, I felt very comfortable with our own community, you know, in front of all of our hair artists or spa artists. I even did communication classes for our call center and our guest service team. I felt very comfortable. Um, and then I started to really, uh, you know, actually, you know, Chuck at the time had said, you know, we really need somebody to be involved in the community and give back and get our salon out in the community saying thank you and helping some nonprofits and finding like this, this purpose for why we do what we do. And of course I was all over that. So I had, you know, taken some time to really get on some different boards out in the community nonprofits. And I think that really helped me expand my confidence out in the community and uh, really, you know, and, and not in the salon environment, but uh, like the Childhood League Center is one nonprofit that I became a part of. And in that you become a, I became a board member. And then I, I, you know, became president of a league of a hundred women that all volunteered to raise money for this school that helped special needs children in our community. So it was kind of like on the side there, but then I, I felt like challenges or opportunities like that gave me even more confidence to know that it wasn't just my role at Penzone. It was really being a leader and stepping up in the community and um, and growing that way. And when I was there at so many of the different nonprofits that I volunteered at, I brought some of that passion back to Penzone. You know, these women, a hundred women volunteering, and look at the money they're raising. Look at the commitment. Look at the dedication. Like they had passion for what they did. And then all the different organizations that I was a part of, I felt that same you know hands-on purpose that I wanted to bring back to pen zones to show our team, you know, you don't just paint nails. You don't just cut hair. You change lives every day. 
and I want to show you how. And so I brought this whole, you know, way of looking at what we did differently internally with our team that I think was very powerful when I started it with everybody thinking, wow, we don't just cut hair. I'm so much more. And then we started bringing like a kid again, which is Adventures for Wish Kids. They, they worked with cancer kids. I started this mother-daughter spa day with them where we brought the cancer kids in. All of our team volunteered and we did the whole day for these kids and their moms. It was a mother-daughter day and they got to see the gift that they gave it was so powerful. So I really started interweaving all of this purpose into what we did. So we started to see the bigger picture of our talent and what we did, you know, behind the chair or in the spa room. And I think that was very powerful for our brand, you know, thinking back 20 years ago, you know, when we got involved with the American Cancer Society, the Heart Association, all of those different nonprofits, it just brought a different level within our company and within our team to see the difference that they made. And I think that was a big moment when I think back to where our company is now. Now it's like, wow. But that was pretty pivotal back then. Mm. And it just goes to show and prove that when you're surrounded with people of that high level, that how much it has influenced you as well to become, to step into that leadership role. And in addition to all of the time that you dedicated of giving back to the community, how much in turn that you received as well through, um, through just like, how do I want to phrase this? just being inspired to how can we grow this? And then it's like now Penzone is just so much bigger than, than just a salon. And, and even in your, uh, it's your tagline, your tagline yeah. is even probably influenced by that as well. Would you say? Yes, it is. And, and you know, before we'd have, we had a, what did they used to call it? A mission statement. And it was about a paragraph long and nobody knew how to say it. Nobody knew what it was about, <laughs> you know, and it was like, I couldn't even remember it. It was so long. And when we rebranded in 2018, we really took the time to set this intention of who are we for the future? And I think everything that we had done in the past brought us to that moment of, you know, improving lives from the outside in. That's our mantra. And everyone in the brand, no matter what you do in the brand, everyone can be a part of that. Not just the hair artist, not just the spa artist, but if, you know, you're at the call center or if you're at, you know, the welcome desk, you know, if you're in our laundry room, everyone can make that difference in the lives around us internally and with our guests that come in from the, uh, from the community. It's so empowering. And with the company of your history too, you know, right now, I feel like there are a lot of students looking for salons that, and I get this a lot of times too, when I'm interviewing stylists, how do you give back to the community? Like, this is something that's really important now. Oh. Um, it, it maybe always has been, I feel like it's more on the, the forefront of, you know, these are the non-negotiables of what stylists, new stylists are looking for in a business. You know, I'd love to learn a little bit more about what this rebranding was like, because if Penzone always stayed this original Penzone, it might be irrelevant now. 
it exactly. might not have been able to adapt with all of the changes and the different demands between staff and clientele. So I, I imagine it wasn't one morning you woke up and you were like, we need to rebrand. <laughs> no, you know, it's, I was so fortunate and I kind of didn't finish the story, but I started doing a couple days in the office and then a couple days behind the chair. And that was kind of like the little transition that I started making over. So I do three days behind the chair, two days in our innovation office. And um, at the time, of course, uh, I was married to Chuck. I married Charles Penzone, the man. And, um, and he was a hair artist, just like me. And at 30, he got from behind the chair and just totally started focusing on the business, 100%. And he really helped me to transition because it was so hard. I loved what I did behind the chair. And so I would start to do more days in the office, less behind the chair. I got down to one day behind the chair. And then, you know, really the whole focus was either in the office or the community. Um, but at that point, you know, I had kind of eased my way into it and, and really got to feel that confidence of, you know, what are the important things of running the business and focusing on the team and not just being so myopic to my chair and to the customers. I could see all sides with our team members being my guests now, which I think that's important for some salon owners. It's hard to get out from behind the chair. They produce a lot and they don't wanna give that up because they love it so much. So that was really important for me to be able to, you know, step back a little bit. And so in, in 2016, 2017, um, you know, at this point in 2008, I guess I should start there. In 2008, I was named president and CEO of the company. And we all know what happened in 2008, the big financial crisis. And, and, and it was great for me to be able to step into that role. And I learned so much in that whole experience of all these projects we had planned. We had to cancel everything. We had to not, not get the mints that had our logo on them. You know, we had to find out what is important to our salon culture into running a business. And so that was the best training ground for me that I went through as president for 2008 to 2012 or so, um, and, and to make it through that. But then, you know, Chuck really said, you know, what's the future look like for the company? And he was at the time, you know, in 2016, really wanting to step back and really wanting me to, you know, walk into that leadership role. And I do have to say, I mean, it was amazing because it's harder for that founder and his namesake was on the building to step back and truly give a hundred percent of the reins to whoever's stepping in that, that spot. And Chuck did it a hundred percent, but it was not easy. It was not easy at all. In 2018, when I said, okay, you said I could do this and I have a team around me and this is what we want to do. We're changing the name from the Charles Penzone Grand Salon to Penzone, mm. Salon and Spa. This is what we're doing with our marketing. We will not airbrush our models. We will not even use professional models anymore, Chuck. Sorry, we're not doing it. We're having real people. We're having body positivity fashion shows and we're spotlighting all people and all body shapes. And that was back in 2018. And uh, it was not easy, but we said, and this is our brand voice. This is how we talk to each other. And this is how we talk to our community. 
And we had tons of group sessions where we all got together, you know, with all of our hair artists, all of our spa, anyone in the brand. And we had these brainstorming, you know, sessions of who do we want to be for the next 50 years? What matters to us now as a brand? What do we want to stand for? And we interviewed guests and we interviewed team members and we came out with that mantra, improving lives from the outside in. And we have pillars now. We want to be strong, pen zone strong, focused, enlightened, and daring. You know, we wanted to be like what Chuck founded the company in 1969 like. We wanted to be bold and rogue and not just resting on this uh, level of, you know, uh, perception of who we were because we didn't feel like that was us anymore. Yes, we were always voted number one in Columbus, but we felt like this grand salon, Charles Penzone got to this level where very few people felt included or it didn't feel approachable. It didn't feel real, you know? And so it was not easy, but he totally said, I 100% bless whatever you guys think this brand should be and stand for right now and for the next 50 years. And, and we did it. We marched and we were just slaying it. I mean, I think we had this one big party called, nobody knew this, Jennifer. So when we opened the new salon, I actually have um, a, a little model of the salon where it says Charles Penzone, the grand salon on the new building in 2018. And the city of Dublin, our city of Dublin, we had a pause for seven months that we had to get some things through uh, the city council. So within those seven months is when we just totally blew up everything. And it was, it's really cool when you think about it because it was so devastating to take that pause. But that's when this whole new way of thinking and rebranding came about. And so we did this blackout party and launched it. And the next day, we had this whole new company that was like rebirthed, rebirthed out of like years and years of being the same brand. And we did like, we wanted it relevant. We wanted to do this totally reinvention of the brand that, you know, when I think about it, it was just, ah, oh, it, we slayed it. it. I was so proud of our team and it wasn't just me. I'm saying that about, we had our whole team was there, you know, um, supporting it 100%. And our community was just so excited and it felt so fresh and new and ready to go. So yeah, it's been crazy since 2018. We've rebranded five locations to this new brand standard. We just finished our, our uh, one in April that we just launched again. And Dublin will be coming up on its five year in the 20 and 23. So we're never going to stop. You know, every three to five years, you got to continue to freshen it up. And what we've done with some of the locations that we've re, re you know, totally rebranded and built from the ground up, every single one of them has had a theme and kind of some new sparks of energy that we then roll back out into the master brand. So it's been so exciting. <laughs> and it's so bold too, because we can get so stuck and conform to our old ways and feel fear of changing things up and was the buy-in from the team easy or did you have a few that were resistant to change? Yeah, it was not easy. And change is never easy, never easy. And it's scary. 
And we have talked to that now. So it's really great now with my team. You know, I did a yoga studio about five years ago and I've been, been doing yoga for about 10 years. And I think I brought some of this into our culture, which is really cool. You know, we really take the time to have these human connections and be able to talk openly and honestly and authentically with each other. And we know that change is not easy. And so we had to go around some of our team that had been there since the beginning when Chuck started the company. They felt like, oh my God, what is Chuck going to say? Like, like this is you know, Charles, we are Charles Penzone and the Grand Salon that put us the Grand Salon put us on the Today Show in 1991, Inside Edition, People Magazine, downtown Julie Brown came to see us. You know, they were scared and, and that fear set in. And uh, we had to go out and have these conversations market research and, and, and the Grand Salon is kind of intimidating now. And so we talked about that and even Chuck had to come out with us too and say, no, 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 like it's okay. You guys aren't offending me. And we said, you know, everyone in the community, all of us now, we say we're going to pen zones. We are pen zones. It's about all of us, not just him anymore. And he wants it to be about all of us, the community. So we had these talks that we had to go out and it was not easy for some of the people that had been around a long time. And then, you know, some of our, like way back when we had a dress code that was so boring. Oh my gosh, black, white, tan, gray. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. It was all no, 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 no. And I said, we're artists. You know, we are artists. This is the future. We want all beauty feel comfortable. We want all expressions of who we are. We want to be bold in our colors. We want to be, you know, whatever makes you feel your best. That's what I want you to wear to work, you know? And if you have tattoos and if you have, you know, this you know, artsy way, or if you're more, uh, you know, more retro, if you're more punk, if you're more whatever you are, come as you are. That's the beauty of our industry. And we really changed every policy and procedure you can think about. There was no stone that was not unturned in our handbook. <laughs> and we thought, we read it and we said, is this our brand voice now? Nope, that's not our brand voice. I remember one time we sent this, they wanted to send a memo out about lockers to like a key to your locker. If you lose it, then you have to pay $10 and you have to do this. And we were treating them like babies. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not our brand voice anymore. Remember, we don't talk like that. And, and it was, it, it was really, you know, cool to be able to see us take that whole policy and procedure book and turn it on its head, you know? And, and we really created this whole way of being and living. Like we had to live this. We couldn't just say it, we had to live it. So if we have a group meeting, how do we show up? We set an intention. We pull the group together and we set an intention. And then we have a one minute, maybe that we take a pause. And then at the end of the meeting, we say, everybody can say one word because not everybody might got to talk in the meeting. So we wanna hear, how's everybody feeling? So that whole open dialogue and feedback, and we wanted to hear from everyone. We wanted to know that everybody felt heard. And that was, you know, a different way of being that we kind of created this whole new us in 2018 that, you know, I feel we continue to tweak it. We continue to look at it. We continue to ask for feedback and really make them feel a part of this bigger picture. 
And I think that is so refreshing to hear too, that it wasn't just what the leaders felt would be best for the business. You included the staff and got their feedback and really, really tweaked and conformed this, this business to be in the best interest of your team, like the heart of your business and the rebranding. I, I love that it wasn't just a, it wasn't just the cosmetic thing. You know, I think a lot of salon owners, you know, when they think rebrand, it's like, let's get new stations, but is that really going to solve a bigger issue that probably is present? So you know, from, from digging through that handbook, the policy and procedure, and even what is it that we stand for? And to share that, to share all of that too with your staff, I feel like that's really the buy-in right there is, is to, to let them know that you are more than Charles, like this is bigger and, and you're a part of that. And, and we accept you for who you are inside and out. That's so beautiful. Yeah, we tried to dive really deep in that. And because we introduced these whole social rooms, you know, we, we had social bars and a social cafe and these social rooms, which we said were the heart of this new brand, you know, and that's where we're going to gather in community and be. And so everyone at that um, opening of the new brand, everybody got a book called The Myths of Being Human. And she was a local author right here in Columbus, Ohio, Brandy Lust. And they got this book and we went through this book because those human connections matter. And that was at the heart of this new brand. It was how we treat each other, how do we talk to each other? And then how do we talk to our community and our guests? And it was really breaking it all down to this raw, rawness of our human oneness. And don't we want more out of, when we go to work every day and you spend, more than half your life there? Don't you want more? Don't you want connections that matter and truly do feel like family and that they're there to support you no matter what's going on in your world? And I think that was so powerful for us to to really show this new way of living it. We weren't just saying it. Were there any parts of that rebranding that got messy, felt messy. Yeah, there were a lot, you know, when I think back, um, you know, even for Chuck, when you ask him, like, like he would go out into the salon, you know, and, you know, of course I would hear something from one of my, you know, managers or something. And I would say, Chuck, we don't talk that way anymore. We don't manage that way anymore. This is how we do it. This is how we give feedback. This is how it's a lesson that we learn from. There's life lessons that we learn, you know, Um, and it wasn't easy for him or some of the other people that have been around for a while. You know, when I think back to that, you know, it was this whole way of the structure that we blew the top off of, you know, and he's so good now because he said, oh gosh, you know, now I know, you know, this is the way, you know, he, he started to understand, like, this is how we talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Everything will never be perfect. When we walk in, we need to be okay with the imperfect. Perfect. Because nobody's perfect. Situations are not perfect. Environments are not perfect. And it's okay. We're human. <laughs> and that was a whole part of the humanness, you know? 
and really trying to learn from that, but not a, not having these expectations either that you know were hard to live up to that you could never live up to. So uh, you know, thinking back to that, and then our dress code, you know, and I didn't even call it a dress code. I'm like, oh my god, who calls it a dress code? You know, we want to be fashion forward. We want to come as you are and be the best you you can be. And guess what? Every single person is going to be different because we're all unique and we need to celebrate that. And somebody might not identify with that gender that they were born with. And it's okay. Maybe they don't want to put lipstick on. It's okay. You know, and I think even in, in being able to talk to that beauty professional, what is a beauty professional supposed to look like? You know, and really trying to empower us to think more of ourselves as humans and artists and creatives, expressing who we are is beautifully done if it's done the right way. And we need to see that more without judgment. And I think I brought a lot of that from my whole yoga community, you know, no judgment, show up as you are. And we should be able to see that with each other and accept it. And uh, I think that's, you know, we continue to talk to that, you know, and be able to empower that with our team. Wow. That's so bold because I, that is like a very common commerce conversation of salon owners of having a difficult time with the dress code or what is, what does it mean to be fashion forward? But I think that that's a really bold move. Did you ever feel like too, in the rebranding, you know, we're hearing a lot of different desires or demands of this, uh, of our staff. Yeah. In what ways have you guys pivoted to adapt to those desires such as a flexible work schedule yeah or you know what what are you finding for your staff that they're saying this is important to us we want this as far as us being a part of the pen zone family yeah when we rebranded like I said we we looked at everything so we did want we did want more flexibility in the work schedule you know back in 2018 and we continued to be flexible with with every uh you know every, uh, you know, every year we continue to look at it, you know, and in, you know, after COVID and coming back, you know, Saturday is not our busiest day, you know, and guess what, if you're a salon owner, don't force your people to come work on Saturdays if it's not your busiest day. Like our busiest day now is Wednesday and Thursday and Wednesdays are even getting, are getting pretty close to Thursdays now and they're longer days for us. And we see people being more flexible in their own work schedules. So we have a lot of people that work remotely and they're bringing their computers into the salon and they're working out of their house, but they're coming to the salon and getting their hair done during the week. And then maybe they don't want to come to the salons on a Saturday because they have life going on. Um, our guests, you know, so we've been really flexible on that, not getting so stuck or not staying dated either. You know, I, I remember way back in the 80s or 90s, yeah, you had to work every Saturday. You couldn't have one Saturday off. You know, now we're very, and I've seen the life cycle of an artist. And this is powerful for some new salon owners. I've seen one of our team members right at the beginning work, work nonstop to build her clientele. Then she gets married. She has babies. She goes to a little part-time schedule for a while. And then guess what? Her kids graduate and go to college. And she comes back and says, now I want to work more. You know, you got to understand the life cycle that we go through 
and be flexible and be okay with that. And I'm so proud of our flexibility with all of that, you know, because I think that's important to a life and to have that balance at different times in your life. Mm, yeah, and not rule that out. Uh, I, I would love to revisit this conversation as far as your experience through 2008. And what are the things that you learned from that time with your business? And, and also let us know how many businesses at that, at that year did you have? And with different conversations of what is happening in our industry and in the economy, what are the things that we are going to be doing? What are the things you guys are, are thinking about doing to set yourself up for success? Yeah, you know, 2008, you know, I, we had a meeting announcing I was president and CEO and I announced I, 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 all the things I was going to make happen, all the things I was going to do for the company. And I was living in ego, you know, and of course, the great economical crises happened across the globe. And I had to come back out and say, we can't do any of these projects. Everything's on hold. And we've got to go line item by line item to see what's important to survive. We were very fortunate that I felt compared to other salon owners, our customers were just so loyal and dedicated. And it was real important for me. I did not want to cut commissions. I did not want to cut their vacations. And then I didn't want to cut, cut our community involvement with nonprofits because I knew everybody was gonna cut that first, you know, and that was like a part of who we were. And so we looked at everything. I learned so much in those three years after that, just what was important in business, you know, and, and really truly being under, understand where all the money's going, <laughs> you know, and what you're spending it on that might not really matter when it comes down to it. Does it matter if you have all the glitz and the, and the, and the glitter on the bags, you know, no. Do you have to have all of that stuff? No, you had to have the basic things. You had to have good people that had a passion for it and you had to pay them good, you know, and you had to, you know, survive, survive through it. And I think that that was important for me to go through that. I learned so much so that when, you know, I came to COVID and the shutdown, we ended up shutting down a week before we had to, because we just did not feel, um, good about it, you know, and we, we didn't know how much, how long we'd be closed. We didn't know how much it was going to cost. We made the decision because that was what our brand would do. You know, a week before our governor told us we had to shut down, we said, we are closing right now until we figure out what this is all about because we don't feel safe for our team and we don't feel safe for our guests. And we made that bold decision to shut down a week before we had to. And I think that was powerful. That's who we are. We have to talk the talk and do the hard things. Mm -hmm. And so 10 weeks of being shut down, um, you know, gosh, it was just crazy. We didn't know what was going on, but we really tried to, you know, we called all of our team members. We told them that they could still take their vacation. We gave people personal loans. Chuck and I gave out personal loans to people. They could pay us back whenever they wanted. No interest whatsoever. You know, yes, your three weeks of paid vacation, you can take that money now. Like, you know, we really wanted to be there for them because it was so scary in this time period. So I think that was really powerful too, to our team. 
Um, and then I was so fortunate, I got asked to be on the governor's, uh, I got to ask to chair the governor's committee to bring our industry back um, open in Ohio. And so I worked with 30 salon owners from all over Ohio, from you know nail salons to booth renting salons, to uh, barber shops, to the one single person booth renting, to the big salons, to the chain salons. And that I felt was, you know, I was so honored to be on that committee because I knew we had to open up and it couldn't just be the bigger salons or the ones that had more resources. We had to do it right so that that small, you know, salon, the one booth had to be able to open okay. And, and be able to afford it and be able to get back on her feet or his feet. And so I think that was really powerful for our brand too, because um, you know we all had to work together and that was a powerful moment. So when we came back from COVID, our communities felt so uh, loyal and so dedicated, but they also felt safe. I mean, now, you know, that was a luxury, you know, to be able to provide that safety of your environment. And so that was powerful too, that we showed our community. We once again invested in the environment. We got the air purification systems, uh, uh, you know, through all the, that's called MicroSure, through all of our air purification systems. Um, and we invested in that. We didn't charge for the face masks. We gave them out to everybody and our team, you know, whatever it was gonna, we really felt like what matters now is safety. We've got to have that environment that makes everybody feel safe and good. And, and again, we let our team, when you, you feel safe, you come back. We're going to be here for you. We had some spa professionals that didn't feel safe for like six months. And it was okay because we didn't want to force them, you know. And, uh, you know, our attrition rate was so low that it kind of hurt us at first because we didn't really get any of the funds because, you know, the team, we didn't have, you know, as many team, uh, you know, leave us, which was, you know, I felt very, um, you know, again, grateful for they were there with us. So that's a long question for that answer, or that's a long answer for that question. <laughs> so do you feel like from both of those experiences of hardship that the business had took, what what things do you feel like you will be implementing moving forward if there is some pullback on client spending uh, in addition to the increase of of our supplies the cost yeah. of supplies has gone up everything's gone up everything so it's like things have gone up if people aren't spending as much what are we going to do to offset that to ride, ride this out? I think again, you know, we're, we're doubling down on human connection and haven't we all learned the importance of uh, really understanding how to use our body and our mind as, as a tool to uh, be able to deal with stress and anxiety. And we're innovating again with a new concept that'll be coming out in 2023. And it's around, you know, really getting together and sharing that knowledge, not only in the industry, but with our community on the whole mind-body connection, uh, education around that, you know, 
I think is so powerful now. Everybody sees it and hears it now. And again, like I told you, I have a yoga studio and we're a yoga school. So for the past five years, we've been training and teaching yoga teachers, meditation, uh, sound healing, you know, breath work, all of that that we've in incorporated into Pen Zone. Now that we do uh, these little self-care moments in our team zone where the team can actually listen to or do a meditation or use a weighted blanket and understand these tools on how to de-stress and take care of your mind and your body. And so uh, we're uh, looking at, you know, re reinventing this whole, um, you know, concept not just with education for hair as an academy or spa as training, but also from the human standpoint as well. And hoping to really explore that and have it for not only our team, but also our community, which I think is powerful to show that human connection and the power of the massage, you know, the power of taking care of yourself. It's not a luxury anymore. It's self-care and you got to do it. It's not just a pedicure to make your toes look pretty and pink. It's taking care of your feet because you walk on them every day. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a yoga class. You're learning how to breathe and use your body as a tool to energize yourself or to calm yourself down. And then all of this, you're learning how to connect and build relationships stronger with each other. Mm. I love that because... It, you're merging these these businesses together in in some in some Three. capacity. You're merging these businesses in, in some capacity together, which I think is such a beautiful thing because it can benefit the clients, it benefits the team, and I, I think that that's such a brilliant idea. Did you ever feel like when it was time to develop this yoga studio? Was there any thoughts in your mind that you were having shiny object, <laughs> like that shiny object syndrome, or did you just know that this was, this kind of segued nicely into this maybe new passion? No, I never, even when I took, when I took yoga teacher training, I took a 200 hour course to get certified way back in 2014. I never knew I'd go down this path. Um, I was basically trying to help myself. My dad had just passed away and had three, you know, really bad bouts with fighting cancer. And, and, um, and I just didn't even know how I would breathe <laughs> and get up every day. You know, it's first time I had lost anybody that close to me. And I started doing yoga classes. And I remember telling an instructor, like, I want to dig deeper. I want to learn more. And she said, hey, we're starting this yoga teacher training class, 200 hours. I think you need to sign up. And I was like, well, I don't want to teach yoga. And she's like, well, no, no, no. You, this will really help you dive deeper though, Debbie, for yourself. So I always saw it as just, wow, I just need to learn more about this whole, you know, uh, eight limbs of yoga and, and everything, this path and this way. So uh, so it just kind of all started to kind of fall into place. Um, when we did the barbershop, why we did the barbershop was because the Dublin building, the new salon that we were building in 2018, got put on hold for seven months. And so Chuck always wanted to do a barbershop. So I'm like, well, now's the time. And when we did the barbershop, that was the first time we'd ever done a liquor license to have a bar. We thought, oh my God, this is fun. 
we were really kind of just stepping out of the box of what we normally did. And in the back of that building was a space that a hundred year old brick, it was just magical when we walked into the space. They said, hey, this space is for rent. And I was looking around and Chuck looked over and he goes, Deb, this would make a great yoga studio for you. You love yoga. Don't you want to give it back to the community? And this would be, you know, great little space. And I'm like, oh my God, a yoga owner? Like I never thought I would do that. I have a yoga studio. But it was just that one little push that I needed to be like, yes. Oh, yes. But but thinking back, if we wouldn't have had that pause up at the new salon in Dublin, that eight months that we were on pause with city council was devastating because we weren't able to build the new salon. Mm-hmm. And so with that pause and that darkness came this barber shop and this yoga studio and a liquor license and doing things. We we're just like, okay, well, let's just try it. And so always go back to that. Cause I think when people are, when you're down and out and something happens, we have learned to embrace the pause. And there's a pause or something's not working right for a reason. And so even now with the new concept, we've been going around with, you know, getting it approved and all that stuff again. I'm like, well, yeah, that's okay. We must need to pause for some reason. So to take those times or those challenges as a business owner and know, try to find the silver lining and know that maybe that pause is there because there's even something better on the other side that you're meant to do. And we've looked at our whole 53 year history and we pulled moments out like that. Even way back in 1989, Chuck almost lost the whole company. Wow. 1989, he had a bookkeeper that was not doing her job. She went on vacation and all of a sudden all these bill, these partners started calling him and saying, hey, you haven't paid your bill in a couple months. They were gonna turn off the water bill, this and that. And so for six months, he didn't know if he even had a company to hold on to. But out of that came the Grand Salon in 91, which was a whole new concept, a new idea. So those times when the challenge and you're down and you think you can't get through it, yes, you can, because something better's on the other side. And I want to tell everybody that because it's so powerful when you believe in that. So that is just the lesson that you learn. There's no bad or wrong way. Maybe it's just a life lesson you need to learn right now. And that challenge is going to fuel you to do something even different. Mm, That's so beautifully said. I love that. I love that. And I think that so often that we are in this, this pause or maybe this storm of hardship and it's so difficult to see what's on the other side of this like why am I going through this yeah yes yes and it's hard and as salon owners we need to share more of that because believe me we've had times like that like just your emotion you just shared I've been there when even when our Dublin salon got put on hold for those seven months we had a walkout I had staff members that had been with us 15 years and they said, Debbie, that building's never going to get done. And then they looked at it and they said, and it looks so small, you know, and they were questioning it and, and they didn't see it. And, and we had a walkout. They didn't think it was, I was going to be able to get it done. And I was questioning myself as a leader and even for the future of the company. 
And, uh, and those times are so tough when you go through them. But every time I face something like that again, because it's never, I mean, you always have those, those challenges continue to come up. I just always kind of just really ground down into finding the why of this. What is that silver lining? And maybe, you know what? Maybe those people are just not supposed to be here for the future. And maybe some new ones are going to come in. And that's what's going to spark this change or this new way or this new idea or stuff like that. And you've got to not take it personal because it's not about you. And I think that's a big thing when you're an owner or your name's on the building or it's your salon. Everything's so personal. And we can't take it so personal. We got to know it's that individual's journey. And you got to be okay to let it go. And um, yeah, but it never gets easy, you know, but I think you just start to find those ways to uh, find strength and that empowerment to know that we got to do hard things and we can do hard things. And it's those hard things that make the success so sweet at the end, you know, or even that, you know, that challenge that you're going through to see something, a project completed at the end is so much better when you've been through a lot to get it there because you appreciate every moment. We shared the story, one story, it's really cute. We shared the story, Chuck shared a story with all of us that we use and it's kind of good, like in the salon, you need to have stories. You know, we've been around 53 years. We have some great stories that we continue to share because the new generation doesn't know what we went through. So you gotta have storytellers. And, and we share the story about Chuck on the Today Show standing up there looking over this beautiful 18,000 square foot building that he built and you know they say wow aren't you so proud and he gets choked up and he said you have no idea you know why they didn't have any idea he almost lost the whole company in 1989 two years before that they had no idea to struggle for two years that he had to pull it back together to keep the company alive, mm. you know? And those stories are so powerful for your salon team to know and hear because when we shut down at COVID, people had never been through it. we have never been through anything that. We called on some of those stories of the past to give us strength and to help us know we can do hard things. We can get through this. We just need to pull together. You're a, a member and on the board of Intercafir and Professional Beauty Association. You mentioned going through these hard times. Did you ever feel like those organizations were a part of those experiences? And, and have they helped you in any capacity through your business? And they have all been a great help and still continue to reach out to different salon owners and benchmark what they're seeing, what's going on in their community, in their salon environment. Um, they've helped us tremendous, those organizations. You know, Chuck's been a member, I think, of Intercoffee or like uh, 40, 45 years, maybe, you know, and I've been, I've been going for, gosh, 30 years now. And I can think of, you know, just recently uh, we reached out to somebody and said, hey, what are you seeing in this? What are you guys doing? And it's wonderful to be able to have that open and authentic brand that you can be transparent. 
And we've also reached out to salons right here in Columbus, Ohio. And I love that. I love being able to say, hey, Melanie, what are you guys doing? You know, and we don't feel that competitiveness. We all want to raise the boats and the tides for everybody to raise up in our industry. So that's, you know, really powerful because so often you hear those organizations that people belong to are great, but then they go back to their own little neighborhood and they don't talk to any salons in their own neighborhood or anybody in the industry, you know, and they kind of have more of a competitive vibe where I think we need to start doing those in our own neighborhood, um, you know, in our own communities. But definitely those organizations, Intercoffier, ISBN um, have helped a lot. And then, you know, we have our bank that's been with us for 53 years, our accounting firm, um, our law firm, those partners in a business are very valuable. And I really learned that from 2008 when the crash happened, uh, our bank was there. Our, um, our attorneys were there to help us. Through COVID, we had those great partnerships that we said, hey, help us. You know, what do we need to do? Uh, file in the paperwork. What do we, so those relationships also are very powerful for a business owner. Hmm. And like you said, like one, it's, it's going to be hard and you may not have all the answers as a salon owner. And so to be able to, to pick up the phone and reach out to somebody just really can help you get through those things much easier. I'd love to wrap this up and I'd like some final words of wisdom. If somebody is admiring, which I'm sure everyone is, the the journey that you have had throughout this industry and having all these businesses, if somebody has this dream of wanting to build something bigger, maybe the magnitude of what you're doing, what would be something that you would give them suggestions on? Or even what if you looked back on yourself and was able to tell yourself Mm -hmm. what 15 Mm -hmm. years ago? Yeah. I think the most powerful thing is everything that you need is right inside of you. That knowledge, that the way to understand that, because we need to empower ourselves to know that we do have that strength and that wisdom within us if we're living our true self. And I think that's powerful. You know, who are you and what makes your life complete? And not comparing to others your life or your business, but really trying to think, you know, who am I and and what matters? And really having that intention of being the best you, which will in turn help you if you're a salon owner say, I want to be. Also, we want to have the best salon that we can be, but it's really living authentically through yourself that draws other people to you. And you're not just in it for yourself, but you want to share that vision and that dream and bring others along for it. But yet you can also see, you know, their dream and their vision that they have as well. So, um, you know, building that community around you is powerful. Um, but if I think back, you know, that was important to really feel like 
you know, you want, I was, I wanted to do more than just have a salon. I wanted to change lives. I wanted to share this purpose or this beauty of our gift that I felt was bigger than just cutting hair. And that has kind of driven me, I think since I've been a little girl, but that has kind of driven me to where I am now. And for the future, I really feel this oneness, this human oneness, that our industry can be that gift that opens it up for people to see um, our uniqueness and see that, you know, we are all one. And how can we, without judgment of each other, how can we accept each other for our uniqueness and be empowered by that? So many amazing words, beautifully said. And thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge and your journey with us. And I can't wait to see what else is uh, in store for your life because you've made such big moves and have inspired so many people in our industry. So thank you so much for everything that you do. And thank you so much, Debbie, for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you for having me. And I just want to inspire everyone that we are ageless. So just remain ageless and the best is yet to come. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you are loving these episodes, I would appreciate a review on your experience of how this podcast is helping you grow your business so that others just like yourself can learn, grow, and be a part of the podcast. I'd love to get connected with my listeners. So make sure to join me in the free Facebook group where you'll find a community of like-minded beauty professionals that want to grow their business and careers. I'll share with you my top tips, Q&As, and when new podcasts are released. Thank you again for your love and support. It's an honor to be a part of your business building journey.